Hey everyone, this is Joseph Bosco, pastor of Highway Church. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. You know, all of us need the right kind of voices in our lives. Voices that inspire us to know the one who made us. Voices that awaken our divine destiny and reveal to us the goodness of God. Well, that's what this ministry is all about. So enjoy the message. called the love boat. I think we're going to finish it today. And the love boat has rich provision. We're going to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 13. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for your love, moving us forward into all that you've dreamed of for us, into the fullness of your plan for our lives. Thank you for your abundance, Lord God, for your abundant provision meeting every need in this highway family, every single need in this highway family abundantly. Thank you, Lord. We're generous people, overflowing with your blessings, and we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I believe the Holy Spirit is really emphasizing that this morning for a number of reasons. It's time to overflow with the blessings of God. But you got to believe that that's his nature. Has nothing to do with greed. Greed is selfishness, right? That's all it is. And and selfishness is the root of all evil, right? The love of money. Selfishness is the root of all evil, right? Prosperity is a wonderful thing. It's a part of God's nature. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 13. Now, if we are beside ourselves, mad as some say, it is for God and concerns Him. If we are in our right mind, it is for your benefit. Verse 14, Christ's love has moved me to such extremes. His love has the first and last word in everything we do. Amen. Our firm decision is to work from this Focused center, the love of Christ, right? That's our center for life. That's what we operate from. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat, the love boat. Verse 15, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him. That's what selfishness is, right? Living for ourselves. Hallelujah. To no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. This is where we left off last week. We, and the King James says, we regard no one after the flesh. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. The message translation says, because of this decision, what? To operate from the center of Christ's love, right? Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. The Passion Translation, verse 16, says, So then, from now on, we have a new perspective that refuses to evaluate people 
merely by their outward appearances. For that's how we once viewed the anointed one. But no longer do we see him with limited human insight. All human insight is limited. Compared to God, really, 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 really limited insight. Now, I, I, I enjoy watching movies, and I like sci-fi movies. But I find it interesting. I, I like imagination. I like using creativity. But so often, part of the plot of the sci-fi movies, they weave evolution in there. You know, which makes no scientific sense. There's no basis for science and evolution. I know you've been told otherwise, but there isn't. It's always been a theory, a foolish one at that. You were made in the image of God. That will always be true. It always has been. It always will be. So why would Satan introduce a philosophy of evolution into your life? Because the last thing he wants you to know is that the one whose perfect love made you in his image. You live differently when you realize that you're made in the image of love than if you think you evolved from a, a, a tadpole. <laughs> Compare the image. I used to play in a pond a lot at my grandpa's when I was a kid. There was a lot of slime in the pond. We'd sit in the pond, and after you'd get out, you'd have leeches all in your body. So we'd have to pull the leeches out, you know. That's the contrast between man's insight and God's love. You can see yourself as, a, as slime and a tadpole or a created being made in the image of God himself. There's the discrepancy. So when you realize the truth and your eyes are open that you were made in the image of God, you begin to see others that way. We don't look at anyone as slime, except maybe for the New York Giants. No, not even the Giants. Even the Giants are made in the image of God, right? <laughs> We look at people as beings made in God's image. That means everyone's important. Even the giants, right? Everyone's important. Especially the giants. Must be from New York. <laughs> yeah. We see everyone as important to our lives. Jen Tringale, who will be coming here in two weeks, she, yes, she'll be here on uh, Sunday the 21st and Saturday night the 20th, Saturday night at 7 p.m. right here. But she made a post that, that nails it regarding 2 Corinthians 5.16. She said this, nothing exposes character more than how you treat people that you think you don't need. Nothing exposes character more than how you treat people that you think you don't need. 
It speaks louder than any gift, calling, or personal, or pers- excuse me, or persona ever will. Character is valuable. Spend time developing your character if you want to influence people. From now on, we view no one from this limited human perspective that they're evolving, that they've evolved from pond scum. Every person we see, we realize, was handcrafted and made in the image of God and is extremely important to us. So we treat everyone the same, no matter who they are or where they're from. This is how character is developed in us. Understand that the gifts any human being has, the talents, the gifts that they have, those were put in them by God. God does not give things and take them back if you don't use them for his glory. He's not like that. He gives them to you, and your, you, can, you can use them for perverted reasons. They're your gifts. They're, they're put in you. you. You can use your gift of singing and dancing for lustful things. You can, you can write lustful songs about sexual immorality. And, and doing drugs, and, and you can promote that lifestyle with the gifts that God gave you. And it's done, isn't it? Right? That doesn't mean the gifts aren't from God. There are people who have anointings and gifts in all kinds of different areas of life. In business, that have amazing business ideas that they have made lots of money from, that was a gift God put inside of them. Even though they may not be using their gift and the money they've made from it for God's glory, God's not going to take that back. It's, it, when he gives you something, it's yours forever because he's perfect love. Love gives no strings attached. So you can't tell who has godly character by the gifts they have. This is so important. If we're going to go all the way, we need to have godly character. The world, on the other hand, with their limited human perspective, is all about gifts and talents. That's what they look for. That's what they esteem. That's the ones they choose to talk to, right? The ones they think are going to make them some money. I mean, I just saw a little bit of a movie last night. The kids are watching Big Hero 6. And this uh, young boy, 14 years old, makes a, a great and amazing tech invention, microbots. And uh, this guy comes up to him to offer him a lot of money for his invention. He doesn't care about this young boy. He just wants to make a lot of money off what this young boy just invented. And the world is full of people like that, right? Why? Because their character is ungodly. They want to exploit you for their benefit, right? How we doing? We okay this morning? It's good to talk about character. It's very important, right? So we're not caught up in people's talents. I mean, maybe a few weeks ago, we watched a documentary on one of the most talented vocalists I think that's ever lived. Unfortunately, she wasn't nurtured in the character of God's love for her. She didn't know who she was when, when, when her talent was discovered. And, and vultures came around. And just began to exploit and, and pull her in different directions, and her life fell apart. 
And I, I mean, you could pick any number of people this has happened to in, in all kinds of different fields. That's what the enemy does. He doesn't care about you. He wants to exploit you. He wants you to devote your, your talents and energies to things that aren't going to make an eternal difference. So when we're speaking with, with people, no matter what age you are, we want to know, how are you using your time and your talents, your energy and your resources for the kingdom? It, changes, it develops character in you when you choose to use your time, your talents, and your energies for God's glory, not for your own. So in the body of Christ and in this highway family, we place a premium on godly character. And you need to know that if you want to come all the way with us. So this statement that Jen Tringale made is so important. Nothing exposes character more than how you treat people that you don't think you need. Have you ever had to drive to church on a Sunday morning and there's an angel driving in the car in front of you? And they're driving like three or four or five miles per hour under the speed limit. Yeah, I think Gabriel was in front of me on the way to church this morning. You know, and when the speed limit was like 35, he's doing like 27. And I say, you know, this, I, I'm sure this is an angel. This is a test. And I don't want to blow it because when I get to heaven, Gabriel's going to say, what's up with you, man? I was... But you know, God will bring people into your life to teach you how to love. So I love that cautious driver in front of me who was forcing me to drive 27. I, I love him. Her, her, I don't know who it was. But. but you know, the Bible says that there are angels sometimes brought into our lives. Did I make that up or is that in the scriptures? Where's that at? Hebrews, right? That people are entertaining angels and they don't know where of it. You never know who that person is you think you don't need. We don't think like the world thinks. We're not all goo goo gaga over talent. We're caught up in God's love for us and his love for others. We're goo-goo-ga-ga over God's love for us, right? We're different than the world. And you, you have to daily remind yourself of the center that you operate from. God's love for us. God's love for others, right? Because the world is promoting self, right? And I share with you before, I've often seen just being in full-time ministry for, for decades now, seeing people come into a, a church and, and they'll want to promote the gifts that they have. And they'll get frustrated if they don't get to use the gifts that they have. What they're failing to understand is God values character. He gave you the gifts, so he's not impressed by our gifts, right? But see, to develop character, I have to choose to walk in love. And that can be painful to your flesh. Yeah. That can, that can, and that, that's what, that causes your flesh sometimes to kick and scream, right? Why don't you just pass them? Get around the guy. You've got places to go and things to do. 
you know? He says, shut up, flesh, and you bless the Lord. See, character is developed when you exercise your free will to do what's pleasing to God. That does not happen automatically. Your gifts are in you. You didn't, you didn't uh, go and find them and, and put them in yourself. God put them in you when you were born. But your character is developed. So the mark of a disciple of Christ is their godly character. And your, your character is developed when no one else is around. In the privacy of your own life. Right? In, in, in your apartment if you're single. What you choose to, to put before your eyes and your ears and what you choose to think on and what you choose to focus on and exalt in your life and the conversations you choose to have with other people. That's how your character is developed in a good way or a bad way, right? So if I'm single and I'm living alone in an apartment by myself and I choose to watch things that are sexual, sexually immoral, what's happening is I'm, I'm, I'm weakening myself, right? I'm developing an ungodly habit, right? So my character isn't going to be able to, to move me forward in Christ. It's going to hinder me. When I, years ago, there was a, a ministry called Max, uh, Maximize Men, Edwin Lewis Cole. He's in heaven now. But he made a statement. He said, if you don't develop your character, your gifts will take you where your character can't sustain you. And boy, has that happened over and over again, right? We've seen in the world where the gifts take them into what looks like success and then everything falls around them. Why? Because their character wasn't able to sustain the level that their gifts took them to. Do you want to go all the way? I want to go all the way. So we want to develop our character. That means that we realize we need everyone. We need to love everyone as Christ loves everyone. It used to bother me when I was a kid in school, and I would see uh, other, usually in every class they'd single out one or two uh, people to tease and make fun of. So I, and I didn't know the Lord, but I made it my point to make those people my friends. The ones that everyone called names and wouldn't talk to, would, they had to sit by themselves at lunch, I'd go sit with them. Didn't know the Lord, but that was the, the love of Jesus in me moving in my life didn't know how to articulate so there there all the popular people were over here laughing and having fun and there's this person no one wants this with i take my tray and i'd go over and I'd sit next to them and see how they're doing just talk you know nothing exposes character more than how you treat people that you think you don't need so when we come together in any, whether it's a Wednesday uh, get-together in homes or whether it's a Bible study here on, uh, during the week, which we're having now on Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, it's awesome, or whether we're gathering on Sunday or Saturday night, we, we, everyone's valuable. So we want to make sure that everyone knows how much God loves them, right? Hallelujah. So we're talking about in here, the heart. This is what God looks at, the heart. And we looked at last week, 1 Samuel 13, 14, when Saul, Saul started out on the right path, but he just began to choose ungodly things, and he just turned into someone that was contrary to God instead of following God. 
Verse 14 of 1 Samuel 13 says, But now your kingdom shall not continue, is what Samuel was telling Saul. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. When you have a heart after God, you'll have a heart after people. Right? right? You'll realize that person over there sitting by themselves was made in the image of God, and you'll want that person to feel loved and important. Right? Acts 13.22, talking about how God views us and how God views people. Uh, he says, He raised up unto him David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. The Passion Translation says, A man who always pursues my heart and will accomplish all that I have destined him to do. And I've shared with you before, maybe even during this series, as a young boy and a young man growing up, didn't know the Lord, lost uh, lots of alcohol in my life and uh, pornography. But when I came to know Christ, when I started talking to Christ at 17, I didn't know the Bible. It wasn't in a church that knew the Bible. But just talking to him, even though I didn't know the Scriptures, my desires began to change. I wanted God. My heart was truly after him. I didn't, I didn't know how to describe all this. But I even I was reminded as I was talking with Karis yesterday during uh, one of their sessions, you know, even as a boy, six and seven years old, I didn't know how to articulate what was going on inside of me. But now that I know the scriptures, I can look back and say, wow, God, what you were doing, you know. So as you begin to talk to God and choose to pursue him in here, and in here is in your private life, right, when no one else is looking, your desires begin to change. I didn't want to get smashed anymore. Pornography became dirty to me. It would be like, you know, open up at a trash can that's been sitting in 90-degree weather for three weeks and, and pulling out a maggot infested, rotten. That's how sin becomes. That's how it becomes when your heart's after him. Say, I'm not going to suck down maggots. No, thank you, right? You begin to see sin for what it is, a maggot-infested death sentence, right? Just one sin destroyed the human race. That's how powerful it is. That's how deadly it is. Nothing's more toxic. So as you begin to pursue God and choose, you know, you say, well, how can I choose to desire him? You just do it. <laughs> just like you choose to put your shoes on. Yeah. Just like you choose to make lunch. Okay. <laughs> just like you choose to turn your computer on or watch a show. You choose to love him more than anyone or anything else. Yeah. You just do it. Yeah. You have the free will to do that. Well, yes, you do. Just do it. You just do it. I'm just going to choose today, God, that you're my number one. I'm going to pursue you in everything I do. I'm going to give you my everything. I choose today that from this moment on, I am all yours and you're all mine. You just do it. It's that simple. 
And then there will be challenges after that because the flesh doesn't like that, right? Satan doesn't want to hear that. So he'll try and get you to back off of that statement. Well, you don't have to go that extreme. I mean, you know, you can go to church every now and then. You can read your Bible every now and then. But come on, give God everything. Just tone it down a little bit, right? But no, that's the kind of, you need to make a decision that fully engages your, your whole person. I mean, I go to the pantry, I'm not fully engaged, looking for some almonds or some chips or maybe some sun-dried prunes or some Ghirardelli dark chocolate chips or something. I'm not fully engaged, it's not a big deal. That's just a decision like I'm feeling snacky, you know? I'm not talking about that. We're not snacky Christians. We're Christians that are gorging ourselves on Christ. We're filling ourselves up daily with Jesus. We're stuffing ourselves with the bread of life. <laughs> Hallelujah. Verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Don't let anyone ever tell you differently. Don't listen to any thought or feeling that tells you differently. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Whoever is a believer in Christ, uh, the God's Word translation, whoever is a believer in Christ is a new creation. The old way of living has disappeared. A new way of living has come into existence. If someone is born again, truly born again, some are Christian in name only, but if some is born again, someone born again, their old way of living will disappear. There's no way around it. It just happens. When your spirit has been regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit, you change. Not all at once. Not all at once. But over time, your old way of living will disappear. And it'll be like as if, who was that? You know? I look back, I think, wow. It's almost like I, well, it was. It was a separate me. It was an old me. It was an old me. It was a uh, 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 not born again me, right? The Amplified says, oh, did I, a new way of living, did I read that, has come into existence? I love that. A new way of living has come into existence. That's how you know. Your life changes. Your life changes. You can't continue in sin if you're born again. You can't. I mean, technically, you can choose to. You can. I mean, you still have a free will. But if you're, if you're born of God, it is like, you know, magaz- magnets with opposite charge, you know, or same charge. Same charge repels, right? Positive and positive. You can't put them together. And that's what a born-again believer is like with sins. We just can't go together. Can't do it. Now, you can give in to your flesh and let your flesh dominate you. But I'm telling you, when you're a new creation, sin has no hold on you. It has no hold on you. It has no hold on you. The Amplified says, therefore, if any person is uh, engrafted, I like that, in Christ, the Messiah, 
He is a new creation, a new creature altogether. That means anything that you are bound to, you're not bound to anymore. Any, any bondages, any addictions, whether it's peanut butter or, or nicotine or crack, is broken in your life. Completely broken. Completely broken. Forever. All you need to do is realize that. Religion won't teach you this. Christ will. So if you're a believer and you're dealing with an addiction, whatever it may be, whatever the substance might be, you simply renew your mind and you, by opening your mouth and saying, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. I'm dead to nicotine. I'm dead to marijuana. I'm dead to alcohol. I'm dead to crack. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. And you continue saying that regularly throughout your days and nights. You keep saying it right in the face of temptation or failure. You continue to say it because it's who you are. And there will come a time as you're focusing on who, and you don't, you don't, don't count how long it takes. It's not about that. That's what the world does. You, get, you, need, you need 100 days to get in shape. or you need No, we just need to meditate on who we are in Christ. And it'll be, see, a, a flower doesn't try and grow. A flower's not saying, oh boy, it's March 7th and, you know, I've got so many days to bloom. It's just being what God made it to be. And that's when you meditate in the Word, you're just going to blossom. And it's going to, there will come a time you're like, wow, I'm new, you know, that's gone from my life. But the world in its limited human understanding tries to focus on the problem and count the problem and reevaluate the problem and talk about the problem and counsel the problem and, and reevaluate the problem and count the problem. And what are you doing? You're meditating in the problem. I said something yesterday, I think the first time I said when I was ministering here at Karis, I said, I think the number one cause of death is an unrenewed mind. Number one cause of death, an unrenewed mind. People say, well, so-and-so died of this. Not so sure. Have you been in their mind for the last 30 years? And in their heart, do you know what they've been meditating on and speaking? Do you know what fears they've entertained and what fears they've rejected? I'm convinced number one cause of premature death is an unrenewed mind. How we doing? Verse 17. Did I read you the uh, Amplified? A new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. You can't be bound anymore. You can't be an addict. You can't. It's gone. You're a new creation in Christ. Your spirit's in control now. Hallelujah. Your flesh is going to have to learn that. And you're just the one to teach it. Right? You're just the one to train your flesh. Hallelujah. Has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. You know who you are? You're fresh and new. Fresh and new. Nice to meet you. How you doing? That's who you are, Mr. Fresh and New, Miss Fresh and New. Hallelujah. Joseph Fresh and New Bosco coming down the street. Hallelujah. The message says this. 
Now we look inside, and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start. We should have named one of our kids that. Fresh and new. There we go. Two dogs, fresh and new. That's good. Yeah, get a fresh start. Gets a fresh start, is created new, the old life is gone, a new life burgeons, blossoms, comes forward. Look at it. Look at who you are in Christ. This is what this is, right? This is a mirror to show you the new you. The fresh and new you is in here, right? You're a new creation in Christ. You're just like Jesus now. You're just like Jesus. You're just like him. Can you imagine Jesus addicted to something? Why can't you? Because of his, he knew how much his father loved him. He was tempted in every way. In every way he was tempted. But what gave him the strength to say no is he knew what we're talking about, the love of the father for him. He knew God's love and he knew that how maggot infested sin is. Right? Hallelujah. All this is from God, verse 18, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Do you know there's no MRI that can scan for an unrenewed mind? No CAT scan, no technology. But if you have a mind renewed in the Word, you can detect an unrenewed mind real quick. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. New Century Version says God gave us the work hmm, of telling everyone about the peace we can have with them. Now you understand we talk about a gospel of grace or a gospel of works. What's the difference? Works is when you are depending on yourself and your performance for God's favor and provision in your life. That's a work, okay? That d- so, but there's another kind of work. It's called applying yourself. That we do, right? When we choose to use our energy to do what pleases God. We're not doing it to earn favor with Him. Right? So you can misunderstand works. Telling people about God, demonstrating God to people takes work. It's not a work in the sense where we're doing this to try and earn a position with God. In other words, it takes effort on our part. Why? Because I have to choose to love people. I think one of the challenges of being a leader is resisting becoming cynical. Ooh, that's a tough one. Because you see, especially you're in ministry, you've seen all kinds of things from people you never thought you'd see it from. And you have to resist thinking like think, thinking in a negative way of people. We all do. Any kind of position you're in, if you're dealing with people, if you're, and then you're in a leadership position, you have to resist cynicism and choose to be thankful. So if I'm tempted to think negatively of someone, and they could have done something that deserves a good spanking, but instead of thinking negatively, I'll start to praise God for that person. Thank you, Father, and I'll pray for them. 
and I'll rejoice and I'll bless him. Say, thank you, Father. And that's a work. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, that takes effort on my part. Don't, don't mix the two up. It, it takes flexing of my muscles to move forward in Christ. In other words, I've got I've to choose to do things. Are you following me? I, I, we're human beings. We're not, we're not on autopilot. I have to daily choose to exercise my person in ways that please him. Right? That's not a bondage or getting under a different gospel of works. It's, it's realizing, listen, to be a, a husband, you have to work. The scriptures say you don't work, you don't eat. Is that in the gospels? It's in the gospel, the Bible, the New Testament, right? He who doesn't work doesn't eat. Well, I thought this was all about grace. Well, grace, is, grace is, gives us the power to work, right? We're not talking about the abundance of his grace. Well, yes, we are. His, his grace gives us the power to work, right? Hallelujah. gives us the power to apply ourselves and do what needs to be done. So being a husband and being a father requires work. I've got to do things each day that I may not want to do. This is good. This is character stuff. God gave us the work of telling everyone about the peace we can have. You know why it's such a work? Because usually people don't want to hear it. Right? <laughs> or they want to tell you how you should tell others, right? <laughs> the New Living Translation says God gave us this task of reconciling people to him. I remember when I first got into ministry, they said, this is how you spell ministry, W-O-R-K. <laughs> so true. The living Bible, and God has given us the privilege of urging everyone to come into his favor and be reconciled to him. This is so fun. I'm just enjoying the Holy Spirit as he's leading us because we're going forward and he loves us too much to, to, to leave us in an undeveloped state. He wants us to be strong in his love, to treat others as he treats them, right? So let me go ahead. Let me, okay, thank you, Holy Spirit. So here's me, and I'm just using me because I know me. So I, I, I'll use myself. I am a living example of the grace of God, the abundance of his grace. But, you know, uh, when I came to know him and, and made a decision to pursue him, my desires began to change. I didn't know that churches existed other than the one I grew up in, which to me, you know, wasn't a place I could, could grow in. So when I began to discover the, the body of Christ, and I became a part of a, a local church in northwest Ohio, I thought, wow, I didn't know things like this existed. And we came in, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a nice, clean building. You know, they had uh, technology, and, and they're lifting their hands and instruments and worshiping God and screaming. I, I just had never seen anything like that in my life. I had no idea the sacrifice it took for the leaders to have what they had there. I had no idea. Didn't give it a thought. 
I just come in and I thank you, God. You know, I had no idea of the hundreds of thousands of dollars it took every year and millions to do what they were doing. I didn't know that. But as I grew, I began to appreciate what was going on behind the scenes. You know, I'd come for Bible studies. I'd do different things. I'd, I'd come into the same room I came in on Sunday, and all the chairs were gone. Well, who did that? Did they just disappear? I found out they didn't. I found out there was a lot of people helping. Uh, and, and all the things, and I saw people working on the, the lighting and the sound system and the, uh, the hospitality and, and ushers and greeters and, and children. All of them, wow, where did this all come from? And I wanted to be a part of it. Do you know why? Because I wanted him. I wanted him. And I was seeing things I never knew existed, and I realized God gave us the work of telling others about him. He's given us this task, and I get it. I know. We've all had church experiences that uh, weren't so pleasant. We'll just say it that way. But listen, the body of Christ is God's plan A, and he has no plan B. You're God's plan A. God, it's, it will always be God's plan until the Lord takes us out of here to have a local church where people can come and get involved in the work of telling others about him. So, I mean, I didn't give it a thought. I didn't, and I ended up spending hours at the church. And any time I'd get a chance to do something, I'd want to do it because I wanted Jesus. So people come to me and say, well, I, you know, and I'll, they say, well, do you need some help? And I might say, and I'm not using, I'm not thinking, I'm just talking about the, you know, 20-some years in ministry, so don't think I'm talking about you. But I'll say, you know, and I'll, I'll give them something to do, and it might be something that they think is a menial task. But it needs to get done. And you asked if you wanted to help. But I... Well, okay, thanks. So, if you want me to sing, I can do that. Character, you see? That reveals character. I want to be in the spotlight, right? I don't want to have to, you know, uh, dust the lighting and, and get rid of cobwebs or clean the dishes. Or I, I, If you want me up front, if you never need someone to preach or sing, I'm, I'm your guy, right? Poor character. You see that? That's like a little child who wants to be in the spotlight. Or, oh, they're just growing, but they want all the attention, right? We're not like that. We're people of character. So we come into a work of God that God's doing. We're, we're, we're ready to go, whatever that may be. And, you know, that's what David did. We talked about him last week. And, boy, did God promote him. He, he, he did not get invited to the meeting with the prophet. His, whole, his dad took all of his brothers, but he wasn't even invited. What was he doing? He was doing things that menial work. I'll tell you, menial work will develop your character. It will develop your character. Doing things that you think are not important, that no one notices, and there's you over in the corner getting that gum off the floor. And that's the time to know him. That's the time to worship him and serve him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. 
This is the work that God has for us. And I'm telling you, this year's a very exciting year. And things are unfolding. And it's going to require help. And we'll give you more on that as we go. It's going to require people who are all in. But there's, there's, there's more than just what's going on here. God is expanding what we're doing. He's enlarging our footprint. And, and people are going to become unafraid again and want to come back to, to the warehouse again. And there's things that we want to be ahead of the curve. We want to be ready to accommodate what God's doing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20 says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Do you know what the Latin word for ambassador means? Servant. He's ambassador. It's like, wow, you know. But you know what the word really means? Servant. Paul said, I'm Christ's love slave. If you translate the Greek. Whatever he wants, I'm there. <laughs> we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, the King James says, in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. Ambassador is defined as one sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. A person who acts as a representative, a promoter of, one chosen to act and speak on behalf of, and you, you get into the etymology of this word. Listen to this. It means a servant. It means to depict and to paint completely the priorities of another. Woo! To paint completely the priorities of another. Good morning, Highway family. This is who we are. Because we want him to paint completely the priorities of another. That's why we're on the love boat, folks. To paint a clear picture of the love of Christ. To everyone who comes in contact with this highway family. Whether we're out at Aldi's or BJ's or whether we're here in the warehouse. So I'm just going to invite you to go into the next gear in your love for him. Last year was an awesome year. And if you don't think so, you were focusing on the wrong things. Man, what God did in our lives last year. And this year is going to surpass it. So stay on the love boat with us and let's go all the way father we thank you for this time together hallelujah lord what a privilege to be on this vessel to have a ticket to cruise with you to go places in you and to do the things that you desire to paint completely your priorities to the world around us to be your servant your ambassador to represent you 
in every area of our lives. Father, we freely give you our whole life. We give you all of our talents, all of our gifts, all of our time, our energy, our resources. We are yours completely. And you are ours completely. Lord, I pray for this highway family. Lord, if there's any uh, negative attitudes towards others, that, Lord, you would quicken us to see others as you see others, to see ourselves as you see ourselves, to love others as you love us, to realize how much we need each other, to consider everyone valuable and everyone important. I pray for this highway family. Father, I know that everyone who is currently sitting here in this warehouse is here for a reason. I know that those who are not yet back, but those who are joining us online, and even those in different geographical parts of this nation who are part of the Highway family through the Internet, even those in different countries, I know that they're connected to this family for a reason. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to illuminate that purpose. Lord, that we would all take our place and do the work that you have for us to do. That who you are would become a beautiful portrait for the world around us to see that they would be made whole and set free and live the abundant life you came to give them, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God is so good. We want to invite you to continue to grow in the knowledge of His goodness, who He is, what He's done for you, and who you are in Him. Check out our websites at josephbosco.us and highwaychurch.us and begin living the abundant life He came to give you.